And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 76 today. Bob, the, we're going to talk about the Bob Lazar documentary and his recent appearance on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, we'll also touch a little bit on the uh, Wilson memo. Uh, our buddy uh, Matt Tiller is here to join us today. Uh, you can check out his channel, Tiller for Riller, on YouTube. Uh, you can check us out at MikeAndMauriceMindEscape.com and, and uh, Patreon.com, Mike and Maurice. Uh, what's going on, Matt? How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good, All good. Right. Well, yeah, we tried to do this yesterday uh, from uh, the you know the airport. That that just was not working out for us. So the connection and oh. the there's all sorts of weird stuff happening. You know, and, and YouTube's yeah, getting rid of uh, a, Google Hangouts as well. I don't know if anybody's aware of that. It's going uh, away by the end of the year. So we're gonna have to figure out a new format for this show as well. Yeah, well, that's too bad. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a strange and very long day yesterday. <laughs> But uh, hey, here I am. Everything's going well, so I'm glad to be here. Sweet. Um, so I watched the uh, the Bob Lazar documentary on Netflix that was uh, made by uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. Corbell. Uh, I thought it was good. Yeah. I mean, the beginning was a little slow, and then you've got uh, what's his face, Mickey Rourke in the background mumbling, and that was the only. The Mickey Rourke stuff, like it was kind of hard to understand. He was just like saying like poetry in the background, you know. That's cool. I, I think it's artistic. I'm not talking smack, you know. I, I liked it, but it just uh, I wanted more of the story, more of the facts, you know. Like, like that's what I, the part that I was interested in. It was just Bob talking about the stuff, but um, but I thought it was a good documentary. I thought it was well made. Um, and uh, the thing I found interesting was the old footage from when he's first talking about S4 where they're hiding his name. I think it's George Knapp or somebody from the Nevada uh, news interviewing him, And his name's Dennis uh, as oh, like yeah. a, a cover-up name. Now Dennis is actually in the story when he tells the story about working at S4. Dennis is his advisor, his supervisor that would come in and check on him and see what they were up to or if there was any new development. So I wonder if he was trying to stick it to him in the news, like, hey, you know, I'm out here. I'm going to talk about this. You can't fuck with me because, you know, I'm going to give a little something back at you. Or what did you think about that? Or did you even, you know, notice that? Yeah. Oh, no, I've seen the documentary four times right. through. I also bought iTunes version because it has the special features after I bought the Amazon version. So I actually own two of digital copies, you know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, oh, I also have two of the uh, Bob Lazar Area 51 of Flying Saucers movie posters autographed by Bob Lazar. Nice. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm bought and sold. Just put a you know, United <laughs> Nuclear barcode on my neck here. <laughs> All jokes aside. Um the the way I understand the story, and of course I can't speak on behalf of, of Bob himself, but just of what I understand, is um, he um, and him, he having to uh, to leave his home at all various different times of the day and night for work for part of the training made his wife begin to think that he was having an affair, and that was causing some problems in his home. And he was still being for for a job 
this of like this level of classified it um he was being monitored and i think he was he was aware of it but i don't know if his wife was or not you know don't quote me on that you know but anyways uh so they started pulling back a little bit as if to say okay wait you know let's give him some space to see if this works it's works itself out and then we'll continue we'll resume well when they started pulling back bob senses you know they're pulling away and he's heard about things that have happened before um he started becoming afraid that like people were not going to find out about this they weren't going to find out the truth um he started to become fearful for his own life and so that's what that's when he began to speak out about it and started taking people up to actually watch the test flights. They uh, got caught on the mm-hmm. third time, I believe, trying to to see the the saucer, the flying saucers, in like test flight. And um, what ultimately what led him to George Knapp and to tell the story publicly on the news is. You know, if they're going to kill him to try to hide this, if he comes out with it, then there's no reason to kill him. And maybe all they would need to do at that point is say he's making it all up. He's crazy. He's so crazy. one way, yeah, one way of just like driving it on home was to um, assume an alias that was his boss's name, which was Dennis. And that, um, I don't remember who said it. Um, someone was quoted as telling Bob, you know, we when we told you don't say anything about this work, we didn't mean go tell everything to everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. But he was he was doing it as a way to protect his own life, and that's uh, what led him to it. Um, but like so, I said, so so the Dennis thing yeah. though, he does mention him in the the Joe Rogan interview, I believe too. He says his full name. I forget mm-hmm. his last name. It was like an Italian name, I think. Uh, um, I forgot too. But uh, yeah, so obviously when he did that initial interview and they said let's mm-hmm. make up a name or whatever, there's no coincidence that it was the same name Dennis. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. so I I don't know what the logic was behind yeah, yeah. that. If yeah, he was just trying purpose. to fuck, yeah. Um, the- the, the the logic was just to just to like if you're gonna go big if you're gonna go big like okay go big or go home yeah you know I it's you. like just all of it look all out it's amazing. he seems kind of ballsy too like he he's got that like dorky look you know but oh. then like if he's the, his character it doesn't match his, like his appearance you know what I'm saying like don't judge a book by your cover like oh. that is kind of who he is you know like yeah he's into science mm-hmm. and stuff like that but he seems to have some balls to him too you know like to to even do that to begin with is is ballsy uh-huh. you know. Well, I'm going to tell you, um, watch some of his um, earliest documentary videos that he was in talking about all these things. The The one I love the most is like he he's kind of closing the video and he just at the end, he gets in this like 80s Corvette with like the box headlights and he yeah. just like closes the door and drives off into the desert. <laughs> like a boss right like the jet engines and his rocket (laughs) you know uh honda or whatever he had um but yeah 
That was uh, so like I don't know. I when I look at stuff like that, I try and be as objective as possible. Look, I do I believe in metaphysical and possibly aliens? Yeah, I do. I think there's something there. I don't know what it is. Let's still, you know, do our due diligence and figure that out. Um, but um, when I read people, I think I'm usually pretty good. Um, you know, I'm in sales, so I, you know, I'm pretty good at reading people's faces and understanding kind of what they're thinking based on the conversation and, and different stuff. And that's why I like Joe Rogan interviews because he won't ask you the lob questions. He's going to ask you some of the difficult questions. You know, he's going to ask you, um, you know, so as a, <clears throat> excuse me, as a podcaster myself, that's what I like about him is, you know, there's no, not, it's not like a TV show on channel five or channel seven news where it's like, you know, lob questions just, you know, oh, what did you think about, you know, it's like, it's not stupid, you know, so uh, when they got into it, I was trying to read, you know, kind of what was going on. And first of all, people that were saying the thing about the migraine stuff, first of all, I get migraines. It, it, when you're light sensitive, you you literally, I feel like I'm going to throw up sometimes when I, if I have to be at work or do something. So anybody that's ever had real migraines, you know, it's, it's painful. I've canceled some of our podcasts before with guests because or rescheduled them because I, there's no way i would be able to sit there with a headset on talking for an hour or two about something and and deal with that level of pain and you, not only that you're just not engaged so i kind of feel for him on, on that regard people are like oh he's this is giving him time to make up stuff no i could see him like wincing and you could see it in his face you know so that i, I i'm i'm not on board with that but just that reading his facial uh, expressions and different things. I don't know. I believe him. I've seen enough of his stuff. I've I've listened to enough of his stories. Some of you know the science behind the 115, uh, 20, 30 years before, and the fact that we still can't even make it a stable element. It's still unstable, radioactive. So like stuff like that, you know. And the palm hand scanner too. Right. Uh, oh, that. Yeah. Security. Yeah. Yeah. So many different elements um, from his story. I've just you know have been proven to be true throughout the years it's uh even area 51 itself i mean no one knew what this was and i don't think it was until like the late 1990s when um there was that whole fiasco about them like burning um radioactive material on the site and the smoke drifting upward and harming like the, the physical health of some of the actual workers not top secret workers, just general workers. Right. And they had to like take this to court. Well, you know, the the government's first line of defense was this place doesn't exist. Yeah. And they're like, where do all these people fly to work every day? And you know how? Anyways, it was just. But that's just one part of it, right? Like, there's there's Area 51, and then where Bob Lazar worked was a little different. It was S4, which wasn't. I mean, it's part of the same area, but it's not the exact same place. That that's correct. It's like, yeah, it's it's um, probably like some section. huge compound. Like, like they own this huge area. piece of land, and then there's certain sections that are for specific things. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, and it's gotten bigger, of course, over the years. Um, but back to the back to the migraine thing, I caught I caught that too, and I was my instant thought was, oh no, here come the conspiracy theories, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I so I started thinking of different different things to consider um and these are just like look man this is just real world stuff i think that sometimes we forget these people are human 
just like you and I are human, like you get you get migraines. Yeah. I have high blood pressure. It's something I have to to take care of. It's genetic. I've had it since like I was nineteen. I mean, right. you know, what nineteen year old year with high blood pressure? Anyways, uh, so he's he's older now. Um, he his story has also been criticized and challenged, and even when you know when some people absolutely can not disprove what he's saying even though he, he's telling the truth you know he's they still will look him in his face and say you are a liar you're lying that's not true i mean the over time in three decades of that and you have to put up with the 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 ignorant minded treatment of people people just just not even acting like rational human beings who are going to doubt something and call you a liar they're going to throw you under the bus to save their own feeble mindedness that dealing with that weighs on you so long and it's like just have sympathy for the guy mm-hmm. you know being live on the air in i mean my first time live on air with with you guys, man. I was I was nervous. Second, sure. Third time, so, you know. I, I get nervous, dude. I'm, I'm dude. I I get nervous sometimes when we have a big guest, like I know, like a famous author or something. Like I'm like, oh shit, this is real, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to perform here, or you know, like uh, at least be on top of my game, you know. So yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and and Rogan, whew, huge millions of people. Yeah. I, he could he could interview the ghost of Betty Crocker. Well, that would be that would be kind of freaking cool. The ghost of Betty Crocker. That'd be a big interview. But you know, if it's someone like I don't know, the receptionist at the Betty Crocker estate, I don't know, a million people would tune in just to see what he's doing. You know, right? So how many millions more are going to tune in to see Bob Lazar? I don't blame the man for having a migraine. Not at all. I think the interview was spectacular. Here's the thing. There were a couple. That's the thing people pick up on because it's like, oh, 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 how about this? Okay. Right. He said that the aliens come from Zeta 3. That's what he said yeah. in the Rogan interview. Yeah, Zeta Reticuli or what was the star mm-hmm. system? Something well, like that. if you go back some of his earlier interviews, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I, I swear to you, he said Zeta 2 4. Maybe. Where's the, where's the conspiracy there? Because people haven't done their homework. That's why. Right. Jump on the, the weakest link, the thing that they can that they think they can disprove first. What they want to jump on is this, and I, and, I, and I know from doing podcasts that this is this is what yeah. it is. When you take a moment to think about something, or you stutter a little bit, people automatically think that you're being disingenuous, genuous, or you're thinking of you're making something up on the spot. But in reality, that is what, when you talk, that's what you're doing, you know? Like, so if you can't come out with the words right away, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I do it with on here. Sometimes I'll, I'll talk in a circle before I actually get the question out, just because I'm thinking about how I want to process this question or this information at the time. So that's what people jump on is like the, the stutter, or the hesitation or the pause or whatever, because they think that if you don't have the, you know, immediate answers that, you know, that's, that's what it's going to be. Um, so I think that that's part of it, but you're right about the not doing your homework thing. Uh, I don't know. Um, I have, I've heard him say Zeta reticuli. I don't, 
remember another interview where he said a specific star in general but again you know like even he says it himself first of all he's not in the community like he's not actively studying ufos and and what this is all just based on memories of him working at this place 20 30 years ago and uh you know stuff that he read on like one or two days before he even started the position you know like he said these briefings were like right when he got there and then he just went into the work mode of it and he only said he worked there for like six months i think so i mean i've worked yeah, at places for six months i can't i can't tell you what i signed or filled out or you know and i have a ask anybody that knows me i have a, the most amazing memory for that kind of stuff so there's just certain day-to-day things that you, you know but then you could say well the information's so crazy that you know so that's probably why i think he does remember part of it because reading something like that you would it would be kind of a paradigm shift or at least like what's going on here you know yeah you're exactly right i mean paradigm shift um sometimes i think it gets used so much we for it's kind of lost its meaning but that that's a huge thing uh, um we okay. You remember when Obama was elected? People started talking about paradigm shift a lot, mm-hmm. and in the tw- in two thousand eight, and that's what I'm saying. It's like it gets used so much; it's, it's almost lost its meaning. But that's that is a huge psychological feat of strength mm-hmm. to be able to to like change something so drastically in your mind and adopt a new mindset. Or, sure. Or adjust your mindset to accompany a completely foreign idea. It's a it's a, a huge thing, and uh, I was talking with someone recently about why it's so difficult for people to engage in this type of paradigm shift. Um, I did a video not too long ago in which I outlined three basic reasons, and that's um, man, oh my gosh, I can't remember my own material. <laughs> It's uh, uh, fear. <clears throat> what fear? Uh, f- fear, ridicule, and faith. Sure. And and I said I'm not. I'm not at all knocking faith at all. I'm not. But essentially, that's it. It's either people you're afraid of the phenomenon and what it means, and all the the baggage and the drama that comes of what society sees the phenomenon is. You know. Then there's ridicule. You know, are you going to be like the, 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 here comes the UFO guy of the science lab, waka, 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 you know, right, you're, right. you're going to be a laughing stock of the whole company, wherever you work. And then there's people that, that feel like it's a, that's morally wrong. That like, that, um, I, I don't yeah. think it is. No, no, you're right. I think part of it's cyclical too. Um, part of it of is this, look at the psychedelic movement of the 60s it's exactly what you're saying oh look at these flower child hippies grateful dead these people don't know what they're talking about the grateful dead is still playing without jerry obviously but they're still around so there's something to to that kind of stuff number one and number two the philosophy behind it look at what we're doing with modern medicine now we couldn't come up with answers using our best science and neurology and all that stuff for depression and mental states. And there's a lot of people turning to psychedelics again in this day and age. So um, that's cyclical, just like this is cyclical, the UFO um, 
you know, in this, and there's only so much you can look into other things before you realize there's something staring you right in the face that you haven't been looking at the whole time, you know? So, um, yeah. that's my, that's my point of view on it is that some of these things that people poo poo or think are, you know, like consciousness or whatever, you know, I'm sure in the 50s, 60s, you know, 70s that there wasn't many people like they're just doing their work and going through their day almost like a worker ant or worker bee. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that if that makes you happy, you know, but I believe there's more to life and I believe that there's questions out there that need to be answered, at least explored. Um, and I think that these fringe things, you know, they are fringe because that's not mainstream are the things that we need to be studying and looking at, if nothing else, dispel them and move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. You know, that. You're, you you make a, a really good point, you know. Uh, if if we never look forward, if we never reach for the fringes and 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 are reaching beyond what we comprehend, then we'll never comprehend anything else unless by accident, you know. Like mm-hmm. the post-it note, you know, that was invented by accident. If we only focus on today, all of our knowledge becomes cyclical too. So we have to reach forward. Um, and I mean, you know, reaching forward in the UFO community and with the, you know, what's being called the disclosure narrative or um, the term acknowledgement, you know, how are there going to, uh, Sean Cahill uh, said, are, are there going to be levels of acknowledgement where people mm-hmm. talk about, um, like, okay, I'm willing to believe that there is a real, anomalous aerial presence out there but i don't know what it is or are people going to no there's people that if an alien landed on the white house lawn or like an alien landed at area 51 and they presented it on the news or whatever the case may be let's just say that happens there's going to Uh be certain people that still deny it still you know trying to debunk it still trying to you know you look at um, your michael Shermers and your mick wests and all these guys on twitter and youtube and you know presenting all this material to try and just debunk they're not even looking into it from it could be possible it's immediately from the standpoint of there's this isn't right this isn't reality this is wrong how can we figure out what it really is so i mean that's the so you're always going to have those people that no matter what you know is is there going to be something in between yeah i mean you're probably right there'll probably be different layers people that believe people that Mm -hmm. kind of believe but they're still skeptical and then the complete skeptics so even if they came out like it's already been on the news like it's been on cnn it's been on fox news it's been it's been on all of them so if people rely on all that information for their day-to-day political bs that i don't you know like to talk about or or, you know comment on because i think Mm -hmm. it's just very um distracting from these bigger picture things that are happening like uh ufos in our skies and why are we here and and like the big questions you know like so of course but again it's it's on the news it's out there people are still Mm -hmm. it's it's either they think about it for a day or two and move on or it's just not you know it's not sticking well yeah i think you're right they they may think about it for a couple of days and move on because every single day we're presented with all new headlines. Every, every news outlet has all new headlines every day Mm -hmm. and sometimes multiple times a day, the headlines are constantly changing and people are allowed to dismiss what they think is like not real news. And the UFO phenomenon, you know, in history has in the mainstream media 
has always been given like bunk representation, mischaracterized representation, if anything serious happened. It was always a joke. So I don't necessarily fault people for continuing to automatically take those headlines and dump them into the ha ha ha. So you think it's part of like the, not programming, but it's part of the mindset of like how it was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago where it's just like, oh, it's a mystery, but it's not something Mm -hmm. to be taken as either a threat or a good thing. Like we don't know what's going on. So like that, you know, and you know, no, go ahead. You there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, I, I think that it's been a slow process that, you know, like you say, 20 or 30 years ago, the mindset was very much either, um, okay, yeah, that sounds unusual, but there's lots of things that are unusual. Mm-hmm. So who knows what it would, could be? That was that was like the the deep the deepest that anyone would go publicly on the issue most people would just laugh about it now it does seem like there is a younger generation possibly us maybe the generation right after us maybe a mix you know i'm not exactly sure how to define that age wise but there seems to be a generation that starts to take it much more seriously because these reports still keep coming up. They are still coming. And you can only laugh about something so long until your what you think is your own rational reason becomes ridiculous redundancy. Mm-hmm. Into where you're just you're just doubting for the sake of doubting. Like, you know. Uh, Joe Rogan said, you know, sometimes being a skeptic is like an excuse for thinking. Yeah, it's just being, he said it's like lazy, lazy thinking is what I think he said specifically. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, lazy thinking. You can't just lay down the BS card for everything, especially when, you know, the the conservative news, the liberal news, the right in the middle news, your local newspaper. I mean, everyone is keeps going back to these mm-hmm. these headlines, and they're being taken seriously. All right, man. You know, it, I think it's time for us to set aside our uh, understanding of things and try to at least consider understanding something different or including something that's incomprehensible today you know allow us to people to study it so we can comprehend it and and that that's right. not to say that's not to say that we're gonna throw bill not a science guy and a whole bunch of other science at this and then come up with some you know project blue book-esque explanation Right. Saying like, well, you know, after thorough investigation, we found out is frozen swamp gas. Ha, yeah. ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I don't think that's. I, I, honestly, I think the answer is going to surprise everybody. Yeah, every, everyone. I mean, I've got a take on it. it. Will be. I've go got ahead. a take. Yeah. I've got a take that before we change direction here with where, where this, is, sure. this is going what you were saying about 
um, people becoming um, acclimated to the idea of this. And I think mm -hmm. the when I look at it, I think of it like this. We are very materialistic nowadays. You know, like people, everything used to be about religion and then religion turned into new age spirituality. And then you've got a lot of people saying, oh, it's woo woo. There's nothing there. And then you've got, you know, the other people that are just, oh, I'm a humanist or I'm a just a person i don't believe in anything other than just humans and this is all there is is just mm -hmm. this material world so we've evolved into this thing now where we're so concentrated on the material world and the material realm that we are noticing more things and more details and more stuff so i think that's what it's come down to is that um you know we can talk about this in a second but like the wilson memo where they were talking about how every 10 years oh, yeah. they pull out they, they go back into the, the research with, of what we have um, and because science hasn't caught up yet. So um, I think that that's part of it. And I think the reason why there is religion and spirituality are things like UFOs and psychedelics and altered conscious states and whatever's getting you out of that day-to-day -day consciousness. You know, like it's an experience. It's, it's a drug. It's something, you know? So I think that... Um, when you look at it like that, it, it becomes clear that we're trending towards materialism as a society, um, hardcore. Um, even you know, third and fourth world countries, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of spirituality in some of those places still, but a lot of them are being westernized too. You know, so um, I don't know yeah. what, what you think about that whole idea that we're just becoming more hip to it because we're more focused on the details based on advances in science and technology and everybody talking with each other through social media and phones and pictures and all that kind of stuff. Yes. I think you're right on the money. Um, we are able to communicate so much more now, which, you know, it's, it's almost like the information can't be hidden or manipulated nearly as easily as it was before because now we, the people of the planet, can just speak and have a conversation. You know, um, I don't know if you ever got online and chatted during the days of AOL, you know, America Online. <laughs> um, I, I did confess my age there. Yeah. But the, the neat thing was to get into these chat rooms and like talk with someone that you would like never meet in your, you know, waking life. Someone from another country, which sounds kind of weird because it's America on them, mm -hmm. but, or, you know, someone way off in another state um, from like coast to coast, no pun intended, you know, coast to coast. <laughs> <I think. laughs> um, but it just it blew my mind when you know kids in like the early 2000s began to use the same technology to talk with each other people they could see like next door just walk over to his house and talk to him you know right it was odd but yeah but still you know uh the practicality and the most usefulness of the technology is what originally fascinated the world it's like now the whole world can talk you know at the same time, we really wanted to. It did so start out good, by the way. Like people always talk oh, about yeah. social media. Like Facebook initially was just like friends tagging each other and pictures, and you know, it it, it all yeah, started off harm, harm, harmless and, and fun and families and mm -hmm. pictures and all that stuff. And then slowly, um, you know, we did what we normally do, which is then we begin to 
corrupt it, you know, whether it's somebody taking advantage of a system or somebody bringing mm-hmm. negativity and you get your negative Nancy's on there and your trolls. And pretty soon you've got this whole culture where it is, it is actually a reflection Ooh, of society yeah. where, where there's good and bad, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's true. You know, there was the MySpace migration to Facebook and then from right. Facebook to Twitter, blah, 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 and Instagram now. But anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's where part of it is that we're able to communicate. The information can't be hidden. It can't be glossed over. It can't, we can't be told how to see a news story. You know, the, a reputable news source could report on a story and then the next day you could actually see a post from the people who were actually involved with the news story when it happened. And they themselves can tell you if the newspaper got it wrong or the news source right. got it wrong. They can tell you add another personal uh, level or element to the story. And, yeah, focusing much more on the science. Like, our capabilities of observation are so much more advanced than they used to be. I mean, you know, even before the invention of a microscope, we had no idea what existed at the bacterial level or the molecular level. It was just no one ever thought of that. Right. Why would you? Well, I mean, you know, there were the, the Greek philosophers that uh, talked about, like, they theorized, like, the smallest element, sure. the smallest piece of matter, you know. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what's your take? Honestly, So though, do, do you I, think, I, though, Bob Lazar is telling the truth, or do you do? You, you do? If, my personal opinion, yeah, I do. I think he's telling the truth. I think some of uh, the details have um, some of the very fine details, not details that affect the structure of his story, but numbers or dates or right. where something was located or what and, and why the name like, in the in the directory you know and like why is he in the newspaper being cited as a physicist yeah. at low salem you know like mm-hmm. there's too many things yeah. that you know either eh, i don't know see like well, here's the me, thing if it is it, bunk it, that then the, whoever he's saying is covering this stuff up or whatever has to be in on his story of uh, it, so it's either information or disinformation if you and, and this is my problem with what's going on now with people talking about this stuff the the whole ufo top topic is either, everything's either info or disinfo and if you don't like what somebody has to say it's disinfo or whatever but the the, pl- the plain fact is is the people that aren't even into it are saying oh this is all bs so if it's bs and our government's talking about this and acknowledging it then it's a conspiracy in the sense that you believe that they're doing something with something to put misinformation out there so i don't get the people that say they're not into conspiracies but then they say they don't believe in ufos because it's very actually counterproductive it's- yeah, it's, it's just like Joe Rogan said. It's lazy thinking, right? Uh, it's it, it, by doing that, people keep they they keep themselves uh, shielded. They're they're protecting themselves from the anxiety of that paradigm shift. I mean, it, it's a really daunting thing to do. It's uh, it, it like can shake the foundation uh, of like your internal locus of control to think that like 
if you think that the abduction phenomenon is real, and if you think that if you believe the Navy pilots were interacting with UFOs, and you believe those UFOs come from another planet, and you believe that they're aliens, and you believe that aliens abduct you, well then, yeah, I see how you're going to be like really, really scared and asleep at night by yourself. I understand. Right. But the thing is, to get people to even just agree to allow the conversations to happen, we, we literally have to very carefully baby step into this situation because every, so many people who are not a part of these discussions don't want to be. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be a part of these discussions. So you're not going to attract them. If someone didn't believe Bob Lazar 30 years ago and they didn't believe him 20, 10, or 2 years ago, they're not going to believe him now unless we change the approach to his story. Yeah. Or we change the perspective, you know? The we thing that uh, I think I think he that did change some minds, though. You know, I think that that Rogan interview, well, first of all, Netflix is huge. So his documentary is going to get a lot of play. And then the Rogan interview, uh-huh. which further <clears throat> perpetuates the documentary. And mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, his average episode, I think it's like 5 million, 6 million views, you know, within a couple yeah, weeks, right. you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you're right. I think I've tried to have conversations with people and you can tell they're not ready or they're just, and you yeah. explain to them that there's all this information now and evidence and they're like, oh, uh, and then you could tell that there's like a little bit of fear there, you know? So um, people just don't like that paradigm. There's some people that aren't ready for that paradigm shift. You know, there's some people that aren't, um, they're just, they don't want to think of like, I know, um, you know, I have friends and family and stuff that when I try and talk about things like consciousness or death or whatever, you, they get uptight, you know, like they, they, they don't like thinking about things that are not in their immediate control or purview or whatever. So I think that's yeah. what we're dealing with here. It's not, I think people are more open-minded than we think they are. I just think that you're right in the sense that we just got to slowly, incrementally, you know, if you just, no power ten, but blow your load all over the whole thing. You know, it might get messed up in the sense that you might freak too many people out or that people might go crazy. I bet you that's what they're worried about, like, or used to be worried about well, with, yeah. you know, within our own government is like, if we let the cat out of the bag, you know, people might go crazy. This might be, you know, bad for civilization. So. And I think, you know, if, if the president did get on the news tomorrow, and had some other officials, and they just said, hey, these things are real. They come from here. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you. Good night. Tomorrow morning. Drops the mic. People will wake <laughs> up. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying tomorrow morning, people will wake up, and they would, they would go to work. They would check their mail. Yeah. If it were, if it were not summer, kids would go to school. I, I, I do not think that. I mean, there might be some people that would freak out. It'd be out. like a weird HBO people. show. It would be like uh, like exactly what you just said. You, that's the beginning of an HBO show where they find out that there's aliens and the next day they wake <laughs> up and then they think about it slowly like during their day like, oh shit, are these things watching us? You know, what's going on here? So um, yeah. I, I think that that would be the case, but I mean, you never know. People can get crazy. I think too. we would, in time, we would grow accustomed to it. And maybe that's part of what's going on now is they're trying to get people at least accustomed to hearing this topic spoken about normally. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, I hate to draw the, 
the, the comparison is I'm not trying to get political or anything. No, no. But you could the uh, issue civil rights, women's rights, um, homosexuality, or like you know, gay marriage and things like same sex marriage and things like that. I mean, uh, a lot. Of, no one would ever hear someone talking about civil rights and they say, "Hey, will you you stop that now?" I mean, what? Maybe right. Sixty years ago, you know. Do you think that's you, why, it's, though? It's that normal. Do you think that's why the alien stuff? Maybe, maybe they see us and they're like, "They're still too primitive. They don't even love each other." You know, like. Do you think that that? I yeah, uh, I, I just wonder about that. So if like, if there was something watching us, because think about it, we're trying to to blow <clears> stuff <throat> up with nukes. We're trying, you know, we're all at war with yeah. one another. Um, you know, there is something to peace and love, and you know, yes. Yeah. We're we're part animal too, you know. We've evolved, so part of us mm -hmm. is always going to have that um, primal side, you know, the the tribal or warring side. But uh, I think our evolution is towards more love and empathy. And I, who knows what's even beyond that? There's probably something that we don't even know about, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like yeah. nobody would question these basic human mm -hmm. rights or qualities or whatever, you know. So I think that. I don't know. I, I think that uh, if something is watching us that you know that can get here, uh, well, that was the other thing they brought up too. Um, it's it, it, we're assuming that whatever it is is so much more advanced than us. But like Bob Lazar was talking about, he's like, well, what if they, you know, are, their binary star system, their planet had heavier metals, which allowed them to create these things. Like instead of creating, you know, the horse and buggy, the locomotive, the, you know, this maybe they started off with the spaceship or maybe they started off with something along those lines you know anti-gravity or whatever mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what do you think about that do you think that's a pot if there wasn't another civilization you know we've talked about this when you were on before that life could mm -hmm. exist in ways that we can't couldn't even possibly fathom you know whether it's methane environments yeah, right. or this or that you know um do you of think course, that dude. there's something out there that could have come from something that was already more set up than we were Definitely, I I do. I think that. Um, my my overall take on it on on the entire phenomenon is that th this is it's something that's so far beyond our comprehension that it almost appears magical. It appears like ghosts. It appears like monsters. It appears like a miracle. It appears spiritual. It appears advanced and high scientific, high tech. It's all somehow related in in ways that we don't understand. Um, Lou talked about things being like one unified technology, to where we used to think that these certain capabilities were different technologies, and now they're all one. There's really something to be said for the series "God's Man in War." I know it's had a lot of criticism. From some people saying it's difficult to read or it's boring to read. I like it. I'm I mean, sorry. I think it's actually their best. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I learned a ton. There is um, some, there is some ancient civilization stuff though that I, I if you learn about ancient Egypt and ancient Sumer and you know, ancient uh, Mesopotamia and that kind of, there's a lot of just information about like mythology and gods and stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, there is a repeat of that kind of stuff, but there's also cool. <laughs> You know, like you said, it's magic. Like maybe there's some, you know, like part of the book they talk about, like you know, occult circles and and things going on with that. And maybe there's some 
metaphysical implications there you know so like yeah you're right i think there is some cool stuff in there that i've never seen before so yeah it's the the a mindset not developed on earth can't accurately compare to earth um lou also said you know whether or not these things are a threat they're acting like a threat the way we perceive a threat. So in order to protect ourselves from a perceived threat, we need to respond accordingly to be prepared to defend ourselves. That doesn't necessarily mean that what he's saying is that we have to be on the attack, that we have to like, you know, hurt them before they hurt us. I don't think that's what he's saying. Um, But it's, you know, there was a time in which I was just 100% uh, peace and love, and and they would they would want nothing but peace. And then there was a time where I honestly got kind of scared, and mm-hmm. I thought maybe I called this wrong. Maybe this is not what I thought it was. And now I am a thousand percent comfortable to say I don't know, but I want to know. Have you I seen uh, Tom DeLonge's tweet from yesterday? Yeah. Uh huh. And. It's like it kind um, of implies what what we're talking about right now, which is that there's some good, some bad, some in between. We don't really know. We need to get uh-huh. to the bottom of it, you know. But yeah, it's kind of right I, along the lines of what we're talking about. I think that our the people deepest inside the intelligence community already know, and what they're trying to do is slowly catch the rest of us up to pace, mm-hmm. almost like. Almost like a parent trying to gradually tell their kids that there's not a Santa Claus versus just saying, hey, no Santa Claus. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is trying to at least. Spoiler alert. No Santa Claus. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, most of the time when the kids find out that there's a Santa Claus, it's usually around Christmas time. Why don't they start in June or July? Hey. No one, like, your your feelings aren't tied up into things wrapped up in pretty boxes under the tree if you celebrate Christmas. You know, but you know what I mean? It's like, think forward like that. Maybe that's what the disclosure narrative is all about, too. Maybe, you know, they've got a methodology behind doing what they're doing. Yeah. I think that they do. Um, Something you mentioned real quick, going back to um, Bob Lazar's story and how people are coming on board now and accepting it. And I had mentioned before that it takes like a, an adjustment of perspective. Right. That's exactly what Jeremy Corbell did. He said that he was humanizing Bob. He was taking the microphone back. Mm-hmm. His story had been bent out of shape for so long. He was taking the microphone back, letting Bob speak for himself. You see Bob's mom in the documentary. You see his friends, mm-hmm. neighbors. Um, you know, you you really you see his wife. You go in his you go in his kitchen and right. you're watching him, him. Bob and his wife prepare for dinner. These Apparently lives in uh, my home state of Michigan. It looked beautiful wherever he was at. I don't know. I mean, it looks up north somewhere. You know. <laughs> cool. That's great. Uh, yeah, and so that's an adjustment of perspective. You know, he's not just some guy way out in you know out west who you can just throw insult rocks at. Right, and then again with with Joe Rogan, it's like um, 
it's 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 the same thing essentially. It's a different perspective. You see Joe acting very differently with Bob Lazar than he did with Tom DeLong. Right. And I in Joe's defense, I don't think that that interview he did with Tom is nearly as bad as the reputation has been built up to be. He was kind of a jerk sometimes. It was. It wasn't. I don't think it was on it either of them. What it was, it was he should have waited to have Tom. Like Tom DeLong should. If he would have came yeah, on now, I, I think. I think it's a different discussion. I think it was too early with what was going on, and there wasn't enough information out there. Like that, because Joe obviously pays attention. You watch his show. He's always talked about Bob Lazar. He's always talked about UFOs. He did that show on Sci-Fi. You know. Um, where you look for Bigfoot and UFOs and all that kind of stuff. But um, when you watch his show, he's obviously very, he's, he wants to believe, but he's skeptical. So I think what that interview did was turn him into not necessarily a full fledged believer, but like he was getting kind of skeptical because he has a lot of physicists on, he has a lot of scientists and I love those programs too. You know, there's a lot of the cool science stuff that I love, you know, but um, some of those people are complete reductionists and they would never give a time of day to anything that isn't, in their immediate, this is my research, you know, so. Yeah, well, that's true, yeah. Um, that, that, those, are, those are valid points, but yeah, I don't think that it was, uh, that it was a, a bad interview. It, it, was, it was very soon. Um, and it was lots I of, think, I can't talk about this yet, or I, I don't, you know, I, you know there, yeah. when, when you say that, I'm not saying that it, it's not necessarily like a red flag. It's just like, well, then why are we even having this conversation if you can't talk about exactly. anything? Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, you could also say that Joe started getting into issues that Tom was trying to keep him away. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily that Tom was like, Hey, I have this red box, but you can't see what's in it. Right. You know, it wasn't necessarily that it was that Tom was saying, well, that's what Joe does. We just talked about that. He's going to ask well, yeah, the heart, yeah, you know, he's the same thing with yeah. Bob Lazar. He was asking him, so he was, those weren't a lot of questions. He was, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty. So, I mean, I agree with you. I just think that, uh, you know, you can't have it both ways. If, if Tom DeLong did his homework and knew about the Joe Rogan podcast, he should have known that he was going to be asked a lot of stuff like that. And he should have had a, a better, maybe they talk beforehand and just say, Hey, not that you say, don't mention this or anything, but just, you know, mm-hmm. there's some things I can talk about. There's some things I can't talk about that kind of a thing yeah they might have should have had like a list of like these these are areas that i can discuss mm-hmm. but i mean you know and sometimes there are certain things actor actors or or in, uh, even the author can't talk about not for government secrecy or confidentiality but just like they're under contract like mm-hmm. have you ever noticed like a movie comes out that and the actor or actress is on a show talking they're you know repping their movie and talking about it even if they think it was a bad movie they're not going to say this movie's horrible right right i wouldn't just yeah they can't do that and they also can't say like yeah i'm in this movie coming out next summer and here's the plot and it's starring this and oh here's how it ends you can't do that either. Well, I think that was the you questioning know? too behind like how it was funded and the whole thing about mm-hmm. making movies and books and shows and because anytime you monetize something, you know, there's whatever it oh, is, yeah. 
people are always going to be like, oh, and that's why I think a lot of people think Bob Lazar's story is credible because he hasn't taken anything. He donates the money. He, you know, he lives modestly. He's not living in some huge house going to, you know, disclosure in the desert or alien con or any of these things. He's just, you know, you know, I think they have to twist his arm. You know, they keep mentioning it, like George Knapp and uh, Corbell mentioned how it's twisting his arm to even talk about this stuff. Like he doesn't want to talk yeah, about it. He wants yeah. to kind of just move on with his life. Is where the the documentary was interesting too, because it it almost seems like he talks about it on the Joe Rogan interview too. But he 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 regrets. You know, like he was at the cutting edge. I feel like he thinks that he could have had some sort of a breakthrough if he would have just played ball and kept his head down and, and did that's what it came off to me is like hey that i'm smart this yeah. was some cool stuff i wish that i had another crack at it you know like that's kind of the vibe i got from mm -hmm. from that aspect of it yeah that's true it's 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 hard to say if how things would have panned out if he had just you know Cut his nose to the grindstone, buckle through, like buckle down and get to work. That's that's a possibility. Or he could have worked his, you know, entire career and it still be under red tape and right. No, I'm not saying he would have came up with anything. I think that in his mind, though, that was his regret as uh -huh. a person was that that was like a once in a lifetime opportunity and it kind of just went yeah. south for whatever reason he's young too you know like in my 20s if somebody would have said come do this i'd be like what are you talking you know like i just i can't even fathom that as a 22 23 year old you know doing something like that yeah yeah it's a, his story is absolutely fascinating and yeah he was he was so young you know i mean I I know I did not have the maturity at that age to handle such a, a project like that, even if I had wanted to. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could have pulled it off at, at age 23. <laughs> I yeah, I think I don't even know how. He was in his 20s for sure. I forget what age he said specifically he worked there. But... Yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty young, though. I, I did the yeah. math one time. I, it was like 22 or 23, maybe even like 20. I, yeah. Honestly, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Um, so don't quote me on that. But, well, the interesting thing um, was the correlation. The, right the correlation how he was talking about the propulsion system uh the anti-gravity and and mm -hmm. how it flies where it's sideways it turns sideways oh yeah and angles oh, that and that's bad. exactly what the one um uh video that they released that luis elizondo released yeah i think it's the gimbal video um it's the one where it looks like the the side top not the tic tac yeah, the tic tac's yeah, the yeah. that's that's, that's that's gimbal, yeah. Yeah, so the gimbal, so that looks exactly kind of like how Lazar was describing how these things fly, which is not your conventional saucer where you just see it like floating or whatever. It's actually turned sideways, angles towards a specific yeah. spot, and then, you know, darts off. I thought Definitely. <clears throat> There's, um, I'm actually, I hope, uh, I get my next series done in time that it's not an old issue, <laughs> but I'm working on a series of, of jumping into the physics. Uh, like that information is already out. Some things I think need a little bit of fine tuning explanation, but um, I want to explain them to people who 
don't necessarily understand like okay for example uh what is a photon mm-hmm. how does light behave and why do we not fully understand it and why does it travel at the same speed all the time and how can you travel faster how can you travel at fractional speeds of light what is a radio wave What's both it's, isn't uh photons are both it's a uh, or light is both uh wave and uh particles yeah, and that's getting into some of the theoretical quantum physics with like the um, double slit experiment and stuff like that. And I'll right. briefly touch on that, but I'm, I, what I kind of really want to focus on is um, explaining how the a UFO could potentially fly right. based on some of the analysis of the metal alloys that the or metal metamaterials, and also uh, what Bob Lazar talked about. Yeah, he was pretty intricate with it, with you the know, the one fifteen being stable and then creating the distortion in mm-hmm. space time in front of you, and then so what the 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 air or saucer craft whatever what it does is it just floats into that space where it's opened up the, the time and space. You know, I think he used the analogy of like what you know looking at hot or steaming concrete you know the the mirage illusion kind of so that's what's happening with time and space and then the, the craft's just sliding into there kind of so if you have a um yeah i don't know and who knows if that's again you know either he's the greatest you know ufo con artist of all time or he's telling the truth you know so i like i said i believe him i, th- I think he's genuine based on everything i've seen seen um and in the sciences that he was talking about, and the other thing with the the uh, archaeological dig that he claims, he said that he was he could have been yeah. being fed misinfo. He says that too. He's by the way, he's all the stuff he read before he started working there that they made him read and sign and everything uh, said something about their his partner. I think mentioned it to him about like a archaeological mm-hmm. dig they made might have found one of these. So like, what is that even? Is that from you know pre pre. Uh, <laughs> You know, is that, I mean, how old, you know, what are we talking here? Are we talking 10,000, 11, pre-Younger Dryas, post-Younger Dryas, you know, what, what's going on here? It was like Fred Flintstone foot peddling the UFO into the yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Space time. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though, I was um, researching Skinwalker Ranch, um, you know, when, when that documentary came out, also by uh, Bob Lazar, by, by Jeremy Corbell, sorry. Um, Is that out? I've not, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, Hunt for the Skinwalker? Dude, yeah. Watch that and Patient 17. Where's, where can I find that on? Is it on YouTube or is it on um, Netflix? Apple TV, okay. iTunes. Yeah, I've got Apple uh, TV. Apple TV. Yeah, iTunes and, uh, and um, Amazon. Those are the places I know that have those. De- but definitely check those out. Um, at any rate, uh, when I was looking for like the actual location, and then I was checking computer, you know, like real estate property records and stuff like that, and trying trying to figure out like as much background info as I could find. And somewhere, you know, again, as I say, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not I'm not like hitting Google over here, and I have no assistant anywhere to stop. Um, Something said that there was like a, a an archaeological attraction. It was almost like it was going to be some kind of like museum or mm. something like that. That's how it was listed. I'm not saying I'm not saying right. it's just going to be a freaking museum. I'm not saying that it's not going to be a prehistoric roller coaster ride into the past. No, it's just the way it was listed was archaeological or. 
um, golly, what's the anthropological? Yeah, something, something could put a logical with ancient in there somewhere. Sure, or archy, paleontology, archaeologist. Could have been. It could have been any of those. Who knows? Yeah, and, and even the one I just made up. Yeah, so it, it, <laughs> it's the <laughs> I, hybrid. I wish I, I wish I had the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it no, didn't. Yeah, and and what's his face? Corbell it's talks a, about the skin. Tesla. It's a Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> Corbell mentions too. He's um, <laughs> who used to own it. Um, uh, Robert Bigelow. They own Skinwalker Ranch, and then somebody else recently bought it. I believe he mentioned. I don't know who that is, but. Uh, he said that there's something coming out on that soon as well. He said, watch for it or something. So who knows what he's doing with that. You're, you're breaking up real bad, man. I can't. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Well, sorry. What I was saying is Corbell was I totally lost you on the, the signal. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me? Um, but I, yeah, I can now. I'm actually okay. out of time though. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, sorry, dude. You know, no, you're yeah. you're you're totally good. So no, everybody, no, no, uh, everybody, everybody, yeah. check out Matt's page, uh, Tiller for Riller. Um, if you love all this UFO UAP investigation and to the stars and what's going on, he's got a great channel dedicated to that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, Maurice is out of town. He's hiking in the Rocky Mountains. He'll be back uh, next time we're live and. Uh, Appreciate you coming on, Matt, and uh, we'll have you back on, like I said, after uh, the final Unidentified, uh, maybe in a few weeks or so. Um, Unidentified is actually on tonight. It's yeah, the fifth, fifth episode. I think I don't know if they're getting to the Italian thing tonight or if it's next episode. We'll see, but it uh, should be interesting. Maybe, maybe they will, yeah. So The we'll Italian job. Oh, cool. All right. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you. You have a good one. All right, man. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, man. You too. Thank you so much, Mike. Take care. Peace. All right. Bye.